Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Have you noticed as you've read through the scriptures or listened to sermons or podcasts that there are those times that certain verses of the Bible just seem to speak to you, kind of jump out at you a little bit? Maybe you even say, I've never noticed that before. It's proof that the Word of God is living and active as God uses His Holy Spirit to speak to us through His Word. That's the idea behind this sermon series of words to live by, finding these verses in the Bible that, that can speak to us as God's children and about our Christian lives. And today we'll see in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, that we are intended to be peacemakers here in this life. I'm going to guess that you can recognize the photo that is about to come up here. There it is. The iconic photo of, yes, the Home Alone movie series, right? Do you remember his name is Kevin? And Kevin gets left home alone. And then the thieves come. And Kevin plans and plots how they're not going to be able to get into his home and take anything. And, and I know it's a movie, so, so please just bear with me. I know it's not supposed to be reality, but, but as you watch that movie, do you ever just feel a little uncomfortable that Kevin's revenge is taken just a little bit further than it really needed to go? And, and maybe we shouldn't be surprised by that because that's pretty common in television. I, I think about all the way back to the days of the Three Stooges. You know, didn't they poke each other's eyes out and beat each other over the head and... Then you have the cartoons. I mean, how many lives does Tom from Tom and Jerry actually have? Or Wiley Coyote constantly on the run from Roadrunner. And here's the thing. What those things sort of teach us is that we should get them before they get us. Is that a fair way to say it? And is it possible that that attitude of getting someone before they get us can creep into the minds and the hearts of us as God's people too. If we're truly honest with ourselves, I think we'd have to say this. Revenge at least seems a lot more rewarding and fun than being a peacemaker. And yet listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As we dig into this, portion of God's word today from Romans chapter 12, Paul reminds us that we are peacemakers. But in order to understand perfectly, to understand well what it is that makes us peacemakers, we first have to go back to the peace that we have with God. It's because we have peace with God that we in turn can live at peace with others. If you would read through Romans chapter, or Romans, the book of Romans this week, it's 16 chapters, and chapter 12 <laughs> marks that point in the book where Paul switches. He switches from talking about our salvation in Jesus to what do we do about it? How do we live our Christian lives? Matter of fact, the very first verse of Romans chapter 12 says this, Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's where chapter 12 begins. And so Paul's instructions here to us, to Christians, are really Christian values. They are things that don't come naturally to people. They are values 
and virtues that we have only because our lives have been touched by God's grace. You see, the things that Paul instructs us in this chapter, don't repay evil for evil, live at peace with all people, those are things that we cannot do to earn God's favor. We not only can't, we don't do things to earn God's favor. There's nothing that we can bring to God to make him love us. But we do them. We have opportunity to do them because of who God has made us, because of who we are, because we're called as his own children. That's why I love having baptisms. It was great to have Brooks baptized this morning because it's a reminder for all of us, isn't it, that we've been adopted into God's family, that we're members of a special group, people God calls his own sons and daughters and heirs of eternal life. You see, what Paul is saying here really reflects a lot of what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 5 and throughout his Sermon on the Mount. He's bringing some radical ideas, ideas that don't really make sense to us according to our sinful nature. You see, because we have that sinful side of us, none of these things are easy. It's easy to say, oh, I'm going to live at peace with everyone, but not so easy to do, is it? And think about that. Think about the times that someone has done something to you or said something to you or maybe sent you an email or posted something on your page and you just thought, man, I can't let that sit. I got to say something back. I got to make sure they know they didn't pull one over on me. Isn't that our pride? When it comes to living at peace with everyone, doesn't our pride get in the way because we just don't want to let someone else get the upper hand? We don't let, want to let someone else feel like they got under our skin or they hurt us in any way. It's not easy. And it's tough to swallow that pride and, and put down the things that, that we know that we shouldn't say but sometimes come out of our mouths or get typed into a message. I think about social media, and, and, and I'm not trying to vilify social media. It just has put a spotlight on people's sinful nature, hasn't it? Because people have been able to use forums that they can hide behind a certain name that is their username, and they can send messages to people anytime they want. And unfortunately, that spotlight has led to criticism of Christians, of Christian values, of the Bible, even of our God. And unless you're not like me at all, those things hurt. And my first thought is often, how do I rise to God's defense? What can I say to get people to understand that what they're posting, what they're saying is incorrect? A couple things that I want to share with you today as you think about that whole idea. First of all, God doesn't need us to defend him. He wrote through the prophet Isaiah, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Notice I didn't say there's never a time or a place to defend God and his word. But God doesn't need you to defend him. His word can do that all on its own. And then secondly, what becomes important when we do speak out about God is the reason for which we do it. If it's not filled with love, if it's not thinking about the best for the other person, then it probably shouldn't be sent. Before we send that note, before we post that 
message? A good question to ask ourselves is simply this. Is what I'm about to say going to further God's kingdom? Is it going to give somebody a good impression of who Jesus is and what he has done? Or might this actually hurt what people think about Christ and Christians? Paul said it this way. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I'm just going to let those words sit up there just for a moment. Because it's so easy just to read them, isn't it? Oh yeah, makes sense. We're Christians, we're supposed to live at peace. But I know you struggle with this because I do too. It's not easy to do. And I want you to notice something in those first few verse, words. If it is possible. Do you see what Paul is telling us? He knows it's not always going to be possible. He knows that Satan is going to see to it that it's not always possible. You see, see Satan, as long as there are Christians in this world, as long as Jesus has not come back, he will continue to sow his seeds of discord, of rage, of persecution. And we shouldn't expect anything less. But notice what Paul says. As far as it depends on you. You can't control what somebody else says. You can't control what somebody else does. But can't we guard our own reactions? Can't we take a step back and say, how are my words and actions going to be perceived? How can I live at peace with everyone? How can I reflect the peace that I already have? You see, that's the joy that you and I have in life and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount has spoken to people who have that very same joy. Those instructions that Jesus gave when he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God, they're the children of God. That's what you are. That's what I am. That's why Jesus can later say, if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other. That's why Jesus can say, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. That unconventional wisdom that Jesus shares, the turning upside down of the way people normally think, can only happen when a person knows the peace that comes from the forgiveness of sins. We just sang it. It is well with my soul. That's the peace that you have. That's the peace that I have. A peace that comes from God that says, everything's right because my son took away what stood between you and me. The tension that should exist between us and God is washed away in the blood of Jesus. And in his resurrection, we have the guarantee that our sins are forever gone. When Paul asks us to live at peace as far as it depends on us, he wants us to give testimony to the peace that we already have, the peace of knowing forgiveness and eternal life. I'm sure you've heard that expression on the top of the screen that hurt people hurt people. I don't think I'm going to say anything profound in the next sentence that you didn't already know. But there's a lot of hurt and hurting people in our world. And when you think about the hurt and the hurting people in our world, maybe that gives us a moment just to pause when somebody says something or does something, when they act out in anger, when they lash out, when they're filled with rage, to just take a step back and say, wonder what's going on in that person's life that led them to say or post that. And how, how can I react not with anger or frustration, but with empathy and with peace? 
And then I love the statement on the bottom even more. Loved people love people. That's you. Jesus says it. You're his own dear children. God so loved you that he sent his one and only son to die for you. Because we're so loved, we in turn can love other people. I love how Paul explains it in the next couple verses in Romans chapter 12. He says this, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Isn't that first part great? Leave room for God. This is God's work, not ours. God knows what you're facing. God knows when people lash out at you. God knows the difficulties and the hurts that you face every single day. He hasn't abandoned you. He won't give up on you. His love for you still continues, the same love that he showed when he sent his son to die on the cross. And that's why Paul can give us the advice that is opposite of what we would normally think. If your enemy is hungry, don't laugh that he's hungry. Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And then, isn't that next expression interesting? In doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. See, the idea behind that isn't that we're supposed to be carrying around little sensors filled with coals to dump on people's heads. It's a metaphor. And in that metaphor, what Paul is saying is this. When you treat people with kindness, even though they've been unkind to you, maybe, just maybe, that will make them see how foolish their unkindness is, to feel the shame of being so unkind to somebody who is kind to them. And maybe they'll wonder, why? Why are you so kind? Why are you the one that's willing to take what I'm dishing out? Maybe they find Jesus in your example. Paul concludes, kind of wraps up the whole section with these words. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. I started with this and I want to finish with this as well. There's only one way that you and I can live as peacemakers and that's with the strength that comes from God alone. It's the salvation that we have in Jesus that fills us with peace so that we in turn can live with that peace to others. How can we not think of Jesus as he was being crucified? Imagine someone's nailing his hands and feet to a cross. And what did Jesus pray? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. That's the peacemaker that Jesus was as he brought peace to you and me and to the whole world. And it's the peace that you and I can live with every single day. Some takeaways from the sermon today. Number one, Jesus died for our sins and has given us peace with God. To the Romans, Paul wrote this, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, we demonstrate the value of our peace when we live at peace with others. Paul wrote to the Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. As members of one body, you were called to peace. Finally, number three, we strive to be peacemakers who point others to Jesus. In his epistle, James said it this way, peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. 
Have you been asking yourself the question when you heard about the burning coals on the head? Does it really work? Does that really always work? And, and, and I think it would be less than honest to say, yep, every time you treat someone with kindness who's been not so nice to you, it's going to make them ashamed and everything's going to change. You might be subject to even more ridicule. You might have even more frustration. But you know that God has your back. Let's do a little what if. Let's pretend that you and your roommate have a little spat in the morning. You can't really get along, you can't solve the problem, so you both head off to class. And you're dreading. You're dreading being back in the same place with that person at the end of the day because nothing's been resolved. But you think to yourself, you know what? I'm going to head over to the State Street Target and buy some of my, favorite, my, my roommate's favorite candy. And then I'm going to hit Ian's Pizza and, and get a couple of slices for us. And so when my roommate comes back, we'll just sit down and there'll be some nice things. and Hopefully everything will be okay. Might that break the ice a little bit? If you show kindness when the expectation is only going to be something else? I know that's just an example of life in this world. But when we live as peacemakers, when we are kind to others who expect us to be the opposite, maybe they find Jesus in that. And we, can, we know and rely on the love that Jesus has for us. He knows exactly where you are and he has given you peace with God now and forever. Let's strive to live in that love that Jesus has for us, the peace that he's given us as we are peacemakers in this world. Amen. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.